Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars. For a Monday, August 14, 2023, we're waiting for the video to kick in here. So it's going to be kicking in the middle of the video. Uh, we'll probably replay the intro here, uh, just so uh, everyone understands. We've got a lot of controversial things uh, going on here tonight uh, in the stories. How's everybody doing out there? I hope okay. Making sure we're all up and running here. You never know. Let's see what's happening. Ah, we'll figure things out. So, been a couple of days. We have a lot of logistical issues here and everything else going on. And let's see here. Let's start over again. Bear with me here. Okay. Gotta love it. Okay. Let's try to hit stream again. Start broadcast. But at least we're recording. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I hope, uh, okay. Now, one of the things, uh, no, not, and we learned this, right? Let's start with our secret message number five, rather than number one. All right. Uh, actually, I think it's number three. Hold on. This is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Learning is vital. Learning is vital. All right, this maybe is Safety is. Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and sisters in the occupied territory Oh, this is Safety Wars. We always safety. hit the wrong button. Get so. out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. How you respond to failure matters. How you respond How to failure matters. How you respond to failure matters. Right? And this is Safety Wars, broadcasting to our brothers and we sisters put these up in the occupied territory of behavior-based safety. Get out your secret decoder ring. Here is your nightly message. Context drives behavior. That's what I want. Context drives behavior. Context drives behavior. What does that mean? Context drives behavior. 
Sorry for all the technical difficulties here, but it's an important one, and we learned a lesson here uh, today. We're working on a project in uh, New York City. I was asked to come out there and take a look at it. And they were complaining about one contractor there. All different types of issues. If you know me, you know what those issues are. What was the context of what he was working with? Mental health. Right? We talk about mental health here. This guy, before you hang him to a tree, before you start arguing, before you start doing anything, what do you do? Try to find out what's going on. We had heard he was had all different issues and everything else. Nobody was really specific. He came to the job today after being MIA. This is an owner of a company. And he says, guys, thanks for bearing with me, but you don't know what I've had to go through. And we said, well, no, what, what have you had to go through? His grand, elderly grandmother died. Okay, that's bad enough. Right? And then he went down to in the country that he's from, and he saw his family, a lot of them, including his mother and extended relatives that he hasn't seen in 25 years. He says, I haven't been home in 25 years. They have the funeral for his grandmother. He comes home. He's home for like a day or so. All bummed out his grandmother passed away. He still keeps in contact with people via, you know, Facebook, uh, email, uh, you know, uh, WhatsApp, other video platforms, make video calls. And he ends up going and he gets a phone call. You have to come back. Your mother died. He's like, I, I just saw her the other day at the funeral, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God, my mother died. Had to go back to the place for the funeral. While he's there, his uncle dies. So three deaths in a family within a week. He had to contend with. He came home and had psychological stress, to say the least. He went into a little bit of a depression for about a month. He sought help with it. And he's getting help uh, from what he told us. And he said, something that you guys have to realize here, right? You guys are like my only friends, the only people I can talk to with this stuff. I don't have any friends here because of my schedule, my business, and everything else that's going on. I, he went through a divorce. He has custody of the children. Uh, you don't know what I have to contend with here. He says, I'm just doing what I can. I'm sorry for what's going on here. Then to add misery, uh, had uh, no, the straw that broke the camel's back, he goes out, starts, tries to start up his truck, there's a dead battery. You know. Hard, hard. Context drives behavior. Before you start accusing people, yelling, screaming, bad-mouthing, or anything else, Try to find out what the context is that you're dealing with. 
what's the person dealing with? Now, I'm not saying that all business stops for everyone's, uh, you know, situation. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is try to have empathy. Try to have some type of, now, we try to, and it's through immense effort of having a psychologically safe environment there. And as I was reminded in reading an article this weekend, it's not, yeah, I know, I did work this weekend. It's not about, I cannot promote, I cannot make something psychologically safe. The best that I can do is set up a situation where everybody feels is psychologically safe. And this is what we try to do here at Safety Wars JCP Technical Services, is we try to set up things where people could talk to us. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, our person, uh, uh, Bob, right, well, my right-hand person here, one of my right-hand people, the other one's Tracy, uh, and then the other Debbie, my wife, Debbie, I have another Debbie, my right-hand people here, right? That's what we try to do. We try to go and get people, have them comfortable when they can talk to us about the problems, if they're comfortable with that, or if we feel open. This is what we strive to do. Sometimes it doesn't work. We had a situation with Bob uh, where uh, he was being bad-mouthed by another safety professional, undermined by another safety professional, specifically had to do with COVID requirements uh, that were rescinded uh, very early this year, late last year. Uh, so, uh, and then it, it turns out when people learn what the context was, you know, they were bad, and then they were like, oh, hold on, oh, hold on. Bob wasn't the bad guy here, was the other safety professional, Right. Well, this happens all the time. Learn what the context is and everything and try to manage that. Uh, everyone's happier there. It's an easier place to work in. And that comes back to you. If you're, go, you know, uh, as the Bible says, right, uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he tells the apostle who cut off the guard's ear, he says to him, he that liveth by the sword shall also perish by the sword. That's good advice. Not, you know, take it for what it is, if you're, regardless of what your religious background is. But that's basically uh, what, no, what the saying was and what the proverb was. You don't want to be hard on people. From a practical standpoint, it's going to come back to haunt you sooner or later you may, in ways that you may not even realize. Second thing is, we don't know what anybody is going through. Uh, don't be so cutthroat. Try to manage people. Get along with people. That is all part of that there safety war. That being said, let me take a commercial break real quick. Uh, I don't take enough commercial breaks, I'm told, uh, by people, so we're going to do that. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro. 
Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Hi there. Uh, We're coming in on the stream now. I don't know how this is going to work, but hey, at least we have the, we know the audio is uh, working here now. All right. So. Do-do-do. And you are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. We'll figure this out. The software updated last week and it has not been working right at all. It's very frustrating here. Do-do. All right. So uh here we go. Our story, our main story tonight are these Maui fires. Uh, we had planned to talk about East Palestine, Ohio, but that's going to be tomorrow's program because this is a current uh, natural disaster here with a lot of stuff going on here. And this uh, report was updated early this morning, but it's my understanding death toll is now over 100. The death, and this is from Bloomberg, uh, the death toll from the being filed wildfires in Maui rose to 93 this morning. But it's over 100 this afternoon, making them the deadliest in the U.S. more than 100 years as concerns grew about the effectiveness of the island's emergency alarm system. The number of fatalities is expected to climb further so as authorities continue to search and rescue efforts, Hawaii Governor Josh Green said at a news briefing Saturday. Just 3% of the area has been searched. Officials said adding that they are bringing 12 or more uh, cadaver dogs to help with the effort. On Sunday, officials said it's unclear when residents may return to the area. According to some other reports, they're still, uh, they are still uh, 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 putting out some fires over there. Now, the question here is this, and I, I've heard plenty of uh, commentary here, some of it ghoulish, uh, for lack of a better word. Uh, but, and I, uh, now with some of these stories, I understand here. I understand a lot. Here we have one story here. Hold on. Where is it? This is from the express.com, uh, story by Vernica Giacomazzo. From this morning, Maui wildfires, the Hanya couple claimed warning signs were ignored before deadly blaze. A Hawaiian company has sued four of the state's power companies for the devastating Maui fires, claiming in their suit that they ignored warning signs of the devastating fires. Reed and Monica Eater's lawsuit against, and I'm not going to mention the companies, is uh, being launched on behalf of a class and subclass of all persons similarly situated. The Eater's home in historic Lahania one of the, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that, 
One of the first towns to be completely leveled by the fires and blamed the power companies for the decimation. Decimation is not the right word there. Uh, decimation means 10%, 1 out of 10. This is more than that. This is about 100%. The lawsuit alleges the four power companies inexcusably kept their power lines energized during forecasts and high fire danger conditions. While authorities are still investigating the causes of the Maui fires, the scientists speculating that climate change, of course, is budget time in the federal budget, so everything is climate change, right? Climate change may have accelerated the nature of the disaster. Officials have admitted that they have underestimated the deadly threat of the fires posed. The complaint alleges this destruction could have been avoided if defendants had heeded National Weather Service warnings and de-energized their power lines during predicted high wind event. Well, here, here's uh, the thing. We don't know what the cause of the fires are. With this, we don't know. Could it have been power, energy? Yeah, well... Guess what? If it's energy and a faulty power line that caused this uh, arcing, you know, uh, branches falling on it, things of that nature, different electrical potentials, then you have an arc, that sort of thing. Uh, you, uh, and that's a, uh, is that a global warming thing? And since we're emphasizing more and more use on electric rather than natural gas, and uh, of course, biomass, meaning coal, no coal included in that. Is this going to get worse? I don't know. A lot of things cause fires. Could be, could be a lightning strike. I don't know how the weather was. It could be a, but it was uh, exacerbated by high blowing winds. I know when uh, one of our listeners, Greg and I, we're in Taos, New Mexico. We went out mountain biking. We had an epic ride, and I lost my camera on the ride. We had phenomenal photos. Uh, we uh, took, uh, that was the same day as the uh, uh, fires in New Mexico of the Los Alamos National Labs, right? And we remember early in the morning, they said, watch out, there's going to be uh, controlled burning. And then about, and then the winds picked up. We said, man, it's a little bit, uh, Windy, isn't it, for control burning? We're looking at each other, and before you know it, guess what happens? End of the day, we see the tankers come over. It was a huge wildfire. Now, Todd Conklin, I'm sure, has some stories on that. But we have, we have this along this side. They were cautioning, all right? I empathize with that because of my experience with uh, bioterrorism here. And I've warned people uh, before that. Uh, of the pandemics and everything else and how we weren't prepared and, you know, people uh, don't listen, right? Uh, decision makers did not listen. So I understand that. It's very frustrating. Fortunately, 100 people have to die here uh, for that situation, potentially, if that is the situation. It's unfortunate. Uh, this is the other thing. There were reports made that, uh, according to U.S. Representative Jill Takuda, a uh, Hawaii Democrat said in CBS's Face the Nation, the warning signals that were on cell phones. We had no cell coverage or electricity in some of these areas. And again, what are we going through here? What happened? Why weren't warnings made? Things of that nature. So what are we talking about here? Here we have Capacity. What's the capacity of preventing a forest fire? 
or preventing a wildfire from impacting our area. Number one, controlling wild brush. Number one. Number two, we mentioned with the power lines. Number three, uh, and uh, there were commentators on this in the disaster preparation world, do not have any plants around the house, anything that could uh, catch fire. Have fire-resistant plants naturally, right? Nothing around the house. One uh, person who was in the Malibu fire, he actually had his own firefighting equipment at the home. And it did not cost a lot of money. And everybody, again, everybody laughed at him. It's like the, uh, right, the three little pigs, right? Everybody laughed at him. And then uh, the wolf, the wolves came, and he was the only one prepared. And it wasn't only him. It was his neighbor that were prepared. What did they end up doing? They created essentially a fire break for, during the Malibu fires with that. And what I was shocked was during, with this commentator uh, was he was talking about Capacity. He was talking about uh, what well, we talked about here. What's safety? Building in, in capacity. Neighbors being prepared and then right, increasing the capacity. I don't know exactly. You know, you hate to blame the victim, and that's not what it, what I'm trying to do here. But again, preparation. We're coming up in September, disaster preparation month, where we're going to be talking about it on this program. What are you doing to prevent disasters? How are your ability to respond? This year's theme of this is older Americans getting prepared. Okay, and I know, realize we're in 27 countries. I get it. But get anywhere. What are you going to do in the event of an emergency? What are you going to do in an event of a fire? Right? And again, assess what you have going on. Here in where we are in where I live in Rockland County, what are we dealing with? Weather events? Right, we had Superstorm Sandy. Uh, you have uh, 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 floods. We had floods up in Orange County a couple weeks ago, Highland Falls. Uh, keep meaning to get up there. Uh, we have uh, sometimes brush fires. We do have brush fires here. Not like what we're seeing in Malibu, but we do have brush fires. Uh, what else? Uh, regular fires. We have missing persons. We have a lot of uh, human trafficking, believe it or not, in this neighborhood uh, along the Route 59 corridor. That's another story for another day. We have uh, uh, medical emergencies. What are you going to do to prepare with this? And again, this was a fast-moving fire. Apparently, they didn't have the response available, and apparently they did not have emergency, the capacity for emergency stuff. Now, electric went down. We have a problem in this country with AM radios, right? Specifically, the uh, AM radio being phased out. We covered this program on this on this program last month. AM radio being phased out. Well, this is a reason to have AM radio, FM radio. This is, oh, we're going to use cell phones. Well, guess what? Their cell phones were out. Right? What are you going to do? I got a, uh, and I had uh, had one back for the Y2K thing, and they stopped making them, a zero-point uh, radio, a zero-energy radio, where it's wind-up and solar-powered that I purchased uh, another. Uh, no, mine broke many years ago. I dropped it, unfortunately. Now I have a new one, and it works. It was brand new, and it's still in the box. Love the thing. 
But anyway, yeah, I'm surfing into the microphone. Anyway, we're, uh, again, what are you going to do? Now, we had this situation in this area, specifically in my hometown of Woodbridge, New Jersey, where we had uh, a situation where Super Storm Sandy came. What do you think happened? They ended up in Woodbridge proper, uh, not rebuilding. So you have whole houses and whole areas never rebuilt because of Superstorm Sandy. And again, that was to reduce the emergency response needs and reduce the insurance uh, payouts and things of that nature. So what one commentator was mentioning was the incentive is not to prepare for insurance companies, right? So why isn't the insurance company or the insurance companies in these higher fire frequency areas encouraging behaviors by the residents, right? Because the residents are the ones who, again, let's get back to hop, right? Where the worker, uh, no, the worker is the expert. Well, maybe you're the expert on your home. And if you don't, not the expert, maybe you can find the experts. They're on how to make your home resilient to fires, increasing capacity. Uh, with that. Now, we're going to, and this is not to, uh, not to go after uh, the president on this, right? Uh, here, that's not what this is. But I was listening to a life, basically is a lifelong friend, Jody Fisher, on the PR podcast uh, over the uh, last week. And he had mentioned the no comment. No comment. He's a public relations guy, works at a very high level. Uh, Fortune 100 companies and stuff of that nature, right? Real big guy, has a podcast, great guy. Uh, went to high school with him, good guy. Anyway, he uh, had mentioned the no comment. Never a good idea to say no comment. Now, what you could say is, well, look, we're managing. No, this is what Biden said. He said uh, earlier uh, on uh, this morning or yesterday, he said no comment when he was asked about this stuff. Like, that sounds like you have something to cover up. What could he have said? And again, I know this is counterfactual and it may not you know, fix his situation, but maybe we can learn something from it. You try to go, and I take it from Jody, and you say, well, this is what we're doing, right? This is what we're looking into. Uh, we're going to give you updates. And then you promote what you're doing, right? And in this case, you say, hey, look, we're praying for the victims, and we hope everybody turns out right. So it's an opportunity when you're involved in a disaster, in your disaster communication, to go through and say, hey, you know, doing this ahead of time, planning it out. Again, this is why scripts matter in your business continuity plans out there, which we can help you write, by the way, 845-269-5772, where you go out there and you say, oh, look, uh, this is what, what we know happened, right? This is what we know happened. Uh, we have this big fire out here. This is We're looking into it, all right? We're going to go and get to the bottom of things, we're going to try to manage this as best we can, learn from things, and then help prevent this from happening again. And because 
I said, I want to say a prayer for everybody. Something along those lines, very simple. Because it gives you an opportunity to go up and be, uh, to brand yourself, to go out there and promote yourself. You don't know, uh, again, attorneys are probably, like, well, you don't want to say any no cop. Okay, great. Maybe there is criminal activity in your situation or whatever. Okay, great. You have a spokesperson go out there and say something. But no comment is not a good thing, especially when we have. They said 100 people. I expect that total, unfortunately, to go up even more, and I don't want to be morbid here. So this is what you need to do. Prepare, prepare, prepare with all of this stuff out there. Uh, now, already, conspiracy theories have put up, have gone up. It's global warming. Well, first of all, as I said on Coast to Coast AM with the East Palestine incident, crappy investigations lead, lead to crappy uh, conclusions, lead to crappy recommendations that may not even address what's going on. We had mentioned a couple of weeks ago about a guy at a, one of our facilities a number of years ago got cut, uh, a security guard got cut on a filing cabinet. So what do you think everybody talked about for the next six months? That darn total recordable incident rate with the filing cabinet. And all you contractors, since that was a contract, got to worry about filing cabinets and hand injuries. Uh, well, first of all, we're all wearing cut-resistant gloves, number one. Number two... Okay, I get it, line of fire, pay attention. But this is along the lines of uh, telling, uh, and no, it was on the program before, Todd Conklin's uh, program before this show on Safety FM. No, try not to fall to uh, ar- uh, to uh, uh, arborists, right? Try not to fall when you're cutting down that tree. Really? Try harder? How, why don't, you know, again, Concentrating too much on the bottom of that hierarchy controls administration and PPE and employee doing everything right. Got to be up on the top, trying to eliminate these fire hazards, trying to develop systems to respond to a fire, uh, encourage people to go out there to prevent fires on their own property, uh, you know, things of that nature, uh, and trying to make yourself more resilient and give yourself more capacity with that. And I would recommend, if your community has one, your county has one, the Community Emergency Response Team, uh, where you go out and you learn how to use a fire extinguisher. Or you could do what I did. I, someone wanted to learn how to, uh, how to use a fire extinguisher. I set up a, uh, a, a fire in a fire pit, and I said, okay, here's the extinguisher, put it out. Really? Yeah, really. There it is. We're in the middle of an open gravel field. No danger of it spreading the fire. Okay, well, they did it. They learned how to use a fire extinguisher. Now, was that the fire watch training from the NFVA? No, no. But they wanted to learn how to use one. I showed them how to use it. By the way, my kids, I did that with too. Going on here uh, through the news. Young environmental activists prevail uh, in first of its kind climate trial in Montana. We've been following this story for a long time here. Uh, this is from uh, the Associated Press. Young environmental activists scored what may be a groundbreaking legal victory on Monday when a Montana judge said state agencies are violating their constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment by allowing fossil fuel development. Okay, now let's circle this around here. I think that this is probably going to be appealed on uh, 
the grants of sovereign immunity. How does sovereign immunity, right? And because uh, global warming is being blamed for the wildfires here by some people. How are you going to go? No, again, it's risk. You have the risk hazard matrix. And on one side you have, last week I talked about it as being a multiplication, but here we have on one side, which is low, right, low risk, and then on the uh, right and everything. And then on the other axis, you have high probability. When high probability and high risk meet, that's a red or a orange thing, that's bad. And when low risk and low probability incident, right, that's a green, on the green. Or as I say, when there's no risk and when there's no consequences, that means that there are no risk. What are the consequences of the government here? Consequences of this, of the government with sovereign immunity are zero because there are no consequences. There are no consequences, there is no risk. Here we have these people putting a risk in here. By the way, same thing could be said about the Hawaii wildfires, where government was warned and reportedly in 2014 of all these situations that they had to take care of, they didn't take care of them. Uh, I don't know, we need a big uh, thing. And, uh, no, now there's conspiracy theories out there that say, uh, this is one of the ones, they wanted, uh, uh, companies are going in there and offering buyouts and all these damaged properties. So they, and these are like resorts allegedly, right? Same things happen at the, all the time on the Eastern seaboard where, uh, you know, uh, Long Beach Island being one of them, where all these houses were destroyed. Now they wanted to go. There was talk about people going in there in 2012, going and buying up the places and building big resorts. Again, conspiracy theories. It only took two days on that one. Dude. Okay. Here we have of the weird. All right. Uh, we'll save that one for end of the program. I have a weird story here. Department of Labor, and this is from the Mine Safety and Health Administration. So every quarter they issue uh, a whole bunch of uh, stuff, right? here on, hey, this promoting themselves, which is a good, right? Uh, this is from MSHA News. The U.S. Department of Labor announced today that impact inspections completed by MSHA at 18 mines in 12 states in June 2023 led to the issue, agency to issue 242 violations. The agencies uh, began impact inspections after deaths of 29 miners in an explosion at the Upper Big Branch Mine in April 2010, one of the deadliest in U.S. history. To date, MSHA's impact inspections in 2023 have identified 1,435 violations, including 411 significant ones, and substan uh, significant and substantial and 22 unwarrantable failure findings. A significant and substantial violation is reasonably likely to cause reasonable serious injury or illness. Violations... Uh, uh, the uh, designated as unwarrantable failures occur when an inspector finds aggravated conduct that constitutes more than ordinary negligence. Wow. So here we go. Uh, da, da, da. MSHA issued unwarrantable failures orders for safety defects found on hull equipment 
including steering damaged tires, significant oil leaks, and a defective backup alarm. Inspectors learned several of these items were recorded reported to the mine's management for days on pre-operational examinations. Uh, historically, a- uh, accidents involving powered haulage and mining industry have uh, been a leading cause of fat- fatal workplace injuries. By law, operators must conduct correct these conditions on all trucks before the, the equipment is used and uh, companies are being cited with this. So this is, I guess, good uh, with this. And my understanding is, is that they can issue it to the worker. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to talk about that. A lot of stuff going on here in Hawaii. Now, here's some, I don't want to say bad behavior here, uh, but you got to pick pick things. No, you have this thing where people have the balance. Do they move on and do normal activities or do they help respond to an emergency in the area? A little bit of a balance here. Hawaii wildfires. This is from DailyMail.co.uk. Paris Hilton spotted frolicking in the waves with husband Carter Riem and son on Maui, Maui Beach, 30 miles away from the city of Tombstones, where at least 96 people died after Jason Moma told tourists to stay away. Paris Hilton was pictured on Saturday enjoying her family vacation on Maui uh, at a resort only 30 miles from the devastated town. And... Uh, they arrived the day that the, uh, 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 right, the, uh, the day the fire uh, broke out. Since Wednesday, the Hawaii Tourism Agency has been begging visitors to leave, postpone future travel to the island as locals need all the resources. All right, so that was the request. But the thing is, it's, you know, it's, uh, I know during 9 11, Nobody, everybody was in a daze here for months afterwards. And, you know, you want to go on. There were weddings that people didn't want to have, and they were canceled. Some people went on with the wedding saying, look, we got to move on. We have to show that we're resilient for our own thing. But now, was it too early or too late? I don't know. I'm not going to condemn anyone here, but this is always a, challenger and the other thing is this what do we start out the program with context what's the context that she's dealing with here uh her own family's health and well-being maybe they needed a vacation of some sort i don't know what the situation is but again don't condemn her or anybody else but it's a debate and it's something we always have to fight here i know uh with a lot of tragedies out there people got to debate uh, you know, what, what are you going to do? Are you going to go out there and party it up or go on vacation or maybe aid in the uh, recovery? I you know, I would like to think that I would try, try to be uh, uh, aiding in the recovery here. Has the Mars rover discovered extraterrestrial life? Study, right? Life formed on Mars. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Life formed on Mars millions of years ago may still exist. Uh, Mars rover unmanned mission has discovered unique mud formations. 
stereotypical of wet and dry spells over millions of years on the otherwise dry and cold Mars landscape, which may have created the conditions necessary for life, according to a recent study in the journal Nature, a sustained wet-dry cycling on early Mars. The hexagonal patterns uh, discovered are formed when an area has extended wet seasons followed by extended dry ones. It's been a, uh, known for a while that Mars contains dried vestiges of rivers, lakes, and even seas. As the study noted, the presence of perennial wet surface environments on early Mars is well documented. Well, we'll see. And you uh, see here they have pictures here. It's pretty interesting where you have hexagonal formations in the soil that are uh, typical of... Uh, of uh, mud, right, drying and everything else. I mean, the hexa hexagon is an interesting uh, shape that's in a lot of nature, uh, natural things, uh, right? Uh, just uh, no honeycombs, right? Hexagonal mud, uh, some gravitational type stuff on uh, liquid planets and moons in the uh, solar system. Now, this may seem a little bit off, but this is along the lines of disaster preparation here. The Wall Street Journal had a thing here on bakeries and the croissant, where by tradition, the croissant was uh, invented in either Vienna or in France somewhere, or Paris, to commemorate the Battle of uh, the uh, September 11th, uh, 1500s, the Battle of Vienna. I think it was 1536 they created the croissant to commemorate that, but I don't know uh, with that. Now, here we have, uh, now you can say, well, what does croissants have to do with disasters? Well, we have our own unique take here, and this is my take, right? Creating scarcity via limited time deals or hard-to-find items is a try-to-true strategy for some consumer-facing businesses and also comes with the risk of turning off customers. So... Bakeries also have the added pressure to sell croissants and other products that otherwise would lose their value in mere hours, called the croissant theory. So basically, they make a limited amount of croissants to get people used to having croissants and then to drive up demand, right? Make more demand, more prices, everything else. One line in this article, right, says here, uh, struck me uh, here. It, where it is. It took, and this is from uh, Nick Hevicon, co-owner of Nick and Sons, a bakery in New York uh, City. It took some training for customers to get used to the idea that we weren't going to have everything they wanted anytime they wanted. Disaster preparation, in a nutshell, or in a croissant here. I like the chocolate ones, right? But anyway. Uh, that's what it is with, uh, with uh, life. You can't get everything all the time. You can't always get everything you want all the time. Same thing with a disaster. You have to have enough resilience built into your disaster preparations to know you're not going to have certain things or you're going to have to delay things or you're going to have to have some grit, delay pleasure, that sort of thing, right, with that. So, yeah, consider that in your disaster response stuff. Well, that was out of the Wall Street Journal. Now, this is, I don't know what to think about this one. 
Retired NFL star Michael Orr, whose supposed adoption out of grinding poverty by a wealthy white family was immortalized, the 2009 movie The Blind Side petitioned in Tennessee Court Monday with allegations that a central element of the story was a lie concocted by the family to enrich itself at his expense. The uh, uh, 14-page petition alleges that uh, the family uh, who took Orr into their home as a high school student never adopted him. So less than three months after Orr earned 18 in 2004, the petition says, the couple tricked him into signing a document making them his conservators, which gave them legal authority to make business deals in his name. And uh, he says uh, that the petition further alleges that the family used their power as conservators to strike up the deal that earned them millions of dollars in royalties and or got nothing for the store that would not have existed without him. And in the years since, the tours have uh, continued calling 37-year-old or their adopted son have used that assertion to promote uh, their foundation. And... It's a shame something like this happened. I like that movie, but I don't know. Hopefully, the courts could, uh, uh, could uh, come up with a uh, find out what's going on here. Uh, the family said, "We are devastated. It's upsetting to think that we would make money off of any of our children uh, like this." I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I know one that I, I know. Will Wheaton, one of them uh, from Star Trek uh, fame, you know, he mentions uh, what happened to him. And he said, if it weren't for the royalties from Star Trek, he would have been destitute with that, with uh, how his money was managed. That's why they have the Jackie Coogan laws uh, in, uh, uh, in California about. Uh, people getting taken advantage, children getting taken advantage, where they have to have something like either 10, don't quote me on this, 10 for, or 20% of the money earned has to go to a child and like a trust, something along those lines. Now you're going to say, who is Jackie Coogan? Have you ever saw the movie The Kid? Charlie Chaplin movie, he was the kid. And uh, he was also, I believe, in the R Gang series. But he was most popularly known as Uncle Fester in the Adams Family TV show. Here we have an explosion. This is from the Washington Post. What we know about the Pennsylvania home explosion that killed five. I saw this on video. This is, like, unbelievable, this explosion. Uh, and again... Now, there's uh, a debate out there. No, watching this stuff, it's safety porn. Uh, some people say that. I, I, again, uh, Sam, our friend of our program, Sam Goodman on the Safety FM Network, now, now he points this out. This is not healthy for us to be watching all this safety porn, people dying and everything, that, you know. But, no, it's just unbelievable here. Five people were killed, including a child, in a Pennsylvania house explosion over the weekend caused multiple injuries, leveled two other homes, and damaged at least a dozen residences. I mean, this is a massive explosion. Uh, and, you know, thoughts of hers obviously go out to these families uh, that were impacted. There's five people dying, a whole family wiped out just from an explosion. Uh, four adults and one child. Uh, I don't know. Uh how do you know? If you smell gas, leave the premises and call 911. 
That's what I'm always going to uh, say. Uh, with that, uh, make sure you maintain. Uh, you make sure you maintain uh, 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 your equipment here. With uh, here and again, people think it's a joke. Uh, here uh, with this, uh, you know, I I was on a job already. Smell the methyl mercaptan in the whole place. They had a gas leak. And I shut down the job and evacuated the place. I think it was the seventh time I've had to do that in my career in 31 years. Number seven. Number nine was last week. And, oh, why? You shut down the job, Jim. Yeah, well, we have a freaking gas leak. You know, it's like, come on, guys. A 13-year-old boy had survived after slipping and falling nearly 100 foot at the Grand Canyon in the U.S. state of Arizona. It took rescue to cruise two hours to pull the child to safety on Tuesday after falling off a ledge at the popular tourist site's North Rim. I've been there. Uh, was hey, He got out of the hospital. This happened uh, last uh, Tuesday. Uh, he broke nine vertebrae, ruptured his spleen, broken hand, and a collapsed lung. Uh, dozens of emergency workers were involved in the rescue. Wyatt was pulled to safety by a team in the park. And uh, they got lucky here, if you want to call that lucky. Wow. Now let's talk a little bit about OSHA news here and Department of Labor Day. Well, we missed it on the 10th. The city of Monhans proclaims August 10th National Safe Digging Month. Okay, so uh, 811 day, right? 811. Uh, okay, that's pretty cute. 811 uh, day. Again, you got to call 811 before you're digging, even in your backyard. It helps to know where things are going in the backyard. I know uh, when we had a markout uh, at my home uh, town in Woodridge, my father had a markout one time. We had a gas line going on uh, right through his garden in the backyard. They marked it out. Hmm. And since been abandoned, but uh, that was kind of interesting there. Federal investigation uh, investigators find Ohio's foundry's failure to follow required safety procedures led to a fatal steam explosion. If you ever had a steam burn, not a good thing. OSHA cited the company. Let's see what we have. The foundry has since closed since the explosion. So, someone's still going to pay the bill here, guys. Let's go on down. Citation one, item one, general duty clause uh, violation, right? Causing or likely to cause the death or physical harm a situation. Uh, again, uh, what, what was their thing? They have to offer some type of uh, procedures here. Ensure that all detective water leaks require the water source to be shut off. Ensure training is provided to managers, employees, as far as the hazards of water. Contacting liquid molten metal. Ensure written policies and procedures are developed. Discontinued practice of running furnaces with water leaks, infiltrating the furnace from the water jacket. Develop emergency procedures. So they had ideas. What was the fine? 15625 Citation one, item two, lockout tagout, 15625 Uh Citation one, item 2C, another lockout tagout, nothing. Right Again, no lockout tagout program apparently uh, here. Anything meaningful. And citation one, item three, 
procedures for lockout and tagout. Set 15,625 and citation one item four. Periodic inspections of the energy control procedure, at least annually. Again, that has to be documented. 15,625 for a grand total of 62,000. Pardon me. $500 in proposed penalties. Sucks. And again, what do they do? They shut down uh, the uh, facility. Okay, now let's talk about uh, uh, some other stuff here. Hold on. Yeah, back wages, a whole bunch of back wages situations here. Here you go. U.S. Department of Labor assesses Washington Mushroom Farm $74,000 in penalties for an H-2A program violation. Recovers $59,000. Uh, U.S. Department of Labor and Wage Hour and Hour Division found a mushroom farm, failed to pay farm workers the required wage rate, and did not provide cooking facilities or three meals per day, all violations of the H-2A Temporary Agricultural Program. Working workers arriving at the place of employment discovered housing listed on the job order was not available, and the employer placed the workers in a hotel temporarily. Investigators confirmed that during their hotel's day, they had no access to cooking facilities. The employer failed to provide meals, so the workers were forced to incur expenses to obtain meals daily. I didn't know that they had this. This is why I mentioned this. So... Uh, investigators determined the employer failed to obtain pre-occupancy inspection of housing and did not keep accurate records and presented pay stubs without no, all the necessary information. And they also, the one worker paid a recruiter nearly $10,000 for their visa, resulting in the assessment of $3,067 in civil monetary penalties for unlawful cost shifting and for failing to forbid cost shifting in the labor contract. So uh, each worker uh, recovered le- on average of less than $1,000 on this in unpaid uh, wages and uh, about uh, $1,100 in civil monetary penalties. Again, I didn't know any of this. But even from a perspective, let's say we're not dealing with agriculture. You have people doing an emergency response or a disaster recovery like what we have here in Hawaii. And remember, during that recovery, OSHA does not, OSHA normally does not apply. They have not issued this order there as far as cleanup, as far as I know. Uh, but as they did in Guam they uh, last week, they started enforcing OSHA regulations again. Again, uh, with this, what am I saying? Let me back up here. What I'm saying here is this. You're on a disaster site with mobile crew Probably worth it to go out and do, uh, follow my Uncle Dave's example. My Uncle Dave and the company he's known uh, went out there and they used to set up uh, during these uh, disasters cooking facilities. Every facility, every job site had a cooking facility, even if it was just a grill and like a flat top to make coffee, uh, they got meals make sure the meals are served, make sure things are good. Because a lot of these workers, how did he recruit it? He would have, on the Gulf Oil spill, I think he had like 5,000 workers. And he said a lot of those folks had, he recruited people who had experience cooking. So the people who had experience cooking, what do you think he had them do? He's had them set up the field messes and everything. 
So, uh, I, no, if, it, if you could cook and you could get in on this, these jobs, I mean, you could, there's some money to be made here. And by the way, you can also thank Uncle Dave for uh, all the uh, discount clubs like Costco, BJ's, uh, some of the other ones for ch- for changing their policies on, uh, you know, they have the incentive programs, the points there. You can thank him for that because he was one of the, there's like 10 people uh, that they uh, that uh, that recouped so much money in bonus points that they had to change the programs um, for those uh, f- uh, businesses, and he was one of them. So <laughs> anyway, that's so, so the story goes. So I wanted to have weird. Right, let's have this weird thing here. How much time do we have left here? Right, if we go over on safety, on safety FM, we're going to extend this into the video stream. Two weird story, three weird stories. So uh, here, I got to get the sound effects ready. Uh, here, okay. Here we, this is from the San Francisco, uh, uh, San Francisco, and I knew that this is going to be a problem later on. It's from San Francisco Standard. Uh, San Franciscans are are having <laughs> in robo taxis, and nobody is talking about it. Even though uh, e- ever thought about getting down and dirty in a robo taxi, wanted to light up a cig or a joint on the drive home from the club, you're not alone. Autonomous vehicles are becoming increasingly popular in San Francisco, uh, as some riders are wondering just how far they can push the vehicle's limits, especially with no front seat driver or chaperone to discourage them from questionable behavior. Some, for some, that's a welcome invitation. Well, this is bound to happen uh, here. I mean, you know, uh, forget about the lover's lane. You just say, yeah, take me to this, you know. Hey, honey, how far? No, let's go somewhere a half an hour away. You know, we should have enough time, you know, an hour away. No, no, how about an hour? An hour away. Okay, robo-taxi, drive around for an hour, you know, and hopefully they're tinted. I think if you do away with tinted windows, this may solve this problem. But then again, it may not. Who knows on that? People will do what they'll do. Nudists call for clothing ban on their beaches. It's making us uncomfortable. Talk about a juxtaposition here. This is out of Europe and Catalonia, Spain. The uh, nudists have launched a campaign to keep nudist beaches naked, saying the frequently clothed tourists are making us uncomfortable. According to The Guardian... The Naturalist Nudist Federation of Catalonia is calling for the government to create a public awareness campaign about the alleged discrimination that nudists face on the beaches of Catalonia. Among their requests, according to the Guardian, is better beach signage for nude beaches. Really? Wow. Hey, honey, do you want to go on vacation to Spain? Okay. Uh, We're going to uh, end... And our last bizarro story here. So this is out of the Washington Post. Did you know that? Uh, here we go. Uh, well, on the day Mary Sarah died of tuberculosis in Seattle Sanitarium, the doctor caring for the 18-year-old offered her brain to one of the most revered museums in the world. Right, and we're let's go. Uh, they have a racial brain collection uh, at the Smithsonian Institution. Wow, 
Wow. Again, we forget that Adolf Hitler got a lot of ideas on what the, what they were doing in Nazi Germany from the United States. The eugenics movement being one of them, and these racial studies, another one also. I mean, this was, no, not only in uh, 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 Nazi Germany, this is also in this country here. Uh, I did a, I was contacted by a uh, group about a statue in New York that uh, uh, reportedly was uh, uh, forged by one of my distant cousins in the 1800s. And they asked me what my opinion was and what this was, was it commemorated a, it was in Central Park, commemorated a, uh, one of the, the uh, pioneers of uh, gynecology uh, and obstetrics where he did uh, uh, experiments on women, right? specifically African-American slaves. Uh, and they're, they're horrific things, right? But they said, well, Mr. Fosel, what do you, what's your opinion on this? They didn't ever print it. I forget what it was. I said, they should melt the thing down. That's what I said. And they were like, oh, yeah, melt the thing down. Don't need to, no. And, uh, so again, I had my own uh, thing with, no, applying today's standards to yesterday's standards, but no, what the guy did was horrific then and it was horrific now. Uh, so why are we commemorating the guy? So uh, that's all I have. I know uh, that's all I have. Hopefully this uploaded, right? If not, we're going to re-upload it on all these platforms uh, soon, right? Next couple of minutes here, hopefully. For Safety Wars, and we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, we're hoping to talk about the East House in Ohio situation tomorrow uh, because that's going to be an in-depth one uh, tomorrow. Uh, so for Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzer. <laughs> oh, yes, the laugh track. Wrong button. Oops. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. And this one goes out to the uh, lives lost in uh, Hawaii uh, this past week.